My name is Pastor Brad, senior pastor here at First Baptist Church. And um, yeah, we follow along in the tradition of the early church to say that saying, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Um, But uh, let me read to you kind of a resurrection rift of sort that author John Ortberg wrote. Some of us did a study by John Ortberg in the fall time here. And uh, I think it'll really kind of get us into the mode and get you ready to say it in the proper way. Uh, But to do it, I'll need to kind of go old school just a little bit, which is out of character for me. Um, So I might need a little help from all of you, all right? All right, so so here's, here's the words. When we say this phrase, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, here's what we are acknowledging, that there was a man named Jesus, and he taught like no one ever taught, and he lived like no one ever lived, and he loved like no one ever loved. And he loved, especially had a heart for people who were on the margins of life. And on Good Friday 2,000 years ago, his great courage got him arrested. And his great love led him to the cross. And his great heart stopped beating on that cross. And on Friday, it looked like this was the horribly tragic end to a wonderful, wonderful life. On Friday, he was dead, and the tomb was sealed shut with a stone. But on Sunday, the stone got rolled away. On Sunday, on Sunday, death lost its sting. On Sunday, the grave lost its victory. On Sunday, hell was defeated, death was dethroned, darkness was derailed, and the devil was declawed. On Sunday, the tomb was empty and hope got filled. On Sunday, Faith was vindicated, the prophets were validated, the soldiers got agitated, and the disciples got animated on Sunday. On Sunday, sin lost, shame died, hope soared, love won. On Sunday, you got something beyond yourself now to live for, beyond your life to die for, and beyond death to hope for. This is therefore the central proclamation of the greatest victory over the darkest enemy by the noblest hero for the loftiest cause in all of human history. If ever in this dark world there is a reason worth celebrating, it is this, Christ is risen. He is risen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering for what he has done in our lives for us. Amen. 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 Praise God. Now, that is easy to say on a Sunday morning in a church with hundreds of people. And let me welcome all of you who are out there in the overflow area as well as the venue service here today. That's easy to say when we are all here together. But can you say that on darker days, when days aren't quite so bright? When the hope isn't always there and we don't have as much hope for the future. See, Jesus was crucified and the disciples were were not feeling very hopeful at that time. 
In fact, the women who were at the foot of the cross were now coming to the tomb. They were visiting a dark, dark place. They saw Jesus die a death, and now he is laid in the tomb. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to pick up the story with two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome. And they're coming to a dark place. They're coming to a tomb where they saw Jesus was laid three days earlier. And now here's the story. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go in and anoint him, that is, Jesus, the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? See, they knew that tombs were sealed. A little bit like this picture that you see up here on the screen. Tombs were sealed. This is from first century Israel, Palestine area. And they would often have this kind of this trough in the front of it. And when a body was laid in there, the stone was rolled in front of it. And in fact, when Jesus was in the grave, it was sealed. There was no getting him out. And it would have taken a lot of men to push the rock back up that trough area. And certainly, these women were not going to do it on their own. And so now having these spices to anoint the body of Jesus, they are struck with this thought. How are we going to get past the stone? We need a breakthrough. The stone was keeping them from getting to Jesus. See, they experienced everything that had gone on the past few days. Jesus was beaten. He was whipped. He was crucified. Jerusalem was in an upheaval. People were unsettled. The disciples were scattered. They were now hiding. And now these two women, they were probably frightened as well. And they probably were not thinking very clearly. And so as they approached this tomb, kind of this this cave of sorts, they were probably in a cave of grief of their own. And the stone was keeping them from getting through to see Jesus. They needed a break. I'm not sure how many of you have ever been over to Israel, but uh, it's an interesting place. My wife and and I were able to go there a number of years ago, and uh, we learned something very interesting while we were there. The ancient uh, visitors to the Holy Land, years and uh, centuries ago, would often go there with maps. And what they would do is they would trace through on these maps different tombs. Different, different graves, different really caves, and visit them and, and think about the experiences that happened in those cave areas. And so they would sit there and they would dwell upon what had taken place there. Let me share with you just a few. There's a cave where Abraham laid his wife uh, Sarah. Uh, it's actually underneath this building. Herod built this building over the top of her tomb. Um, but you can go there, and, and Scripture tells us that Abraham buried her and went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And so the early early pilgrims, they would go there and the people would travel and they would sit down in front of this, this tomb of this grave of sorts, this cave area, and they would feel Abraham's grief. Anybody here ever logged a little time in the cave of grief? Yeah, we've all been there at one point or another. In fact, some of you may be in that today. 
may experience the loss of a loved one this past year or even past months, and you're feeling that, that burden in that cave of sorts. Then these early pilgrims, they would go and they would visit a cave like this one with Elijah. And we don't know the exact cave it was, but in the Holy Land experience, you can kind of uh, have the best guess place where that may have been. But Elijah went out to a cave such as this. He got depressed when Jezebel was chasing him. In fact, these words are written in 1 Kings where it says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Anybody ever prayed something like that? I've had enough. They would go there, and they would, they would view this. And it, it would be like a, a, a cave of quitting. I'm sure many of us have visited that cave of quitting before. And then there's this cave, the cave of Adullam, where David hides from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And David runs into this cave, and we have what he wrote in a cave such as this, in Psalm 142, verse 4, where it says, No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. You know what that is? That's a cave of hopelessness and fear. That's where David was visiting. He was hopeless. He he was filled with fear of what Saul was going to do to him. Now, before you think that these early uh, pilgrims were kind of um, strange for visiting caves on their vacation time, I mean, we like to go to beaches, right? They go to caves. All the caves were not always bad caves. There was a cave such as this one where they remembered the birth of Jesus. This is up in Bethlehem. They've built a huge church over the top of it, but there's this cave that's in there, and they have this place kind of marked where this was where Jesus was born. We don't know if it's exactly the place, but it's in a place much like this up in Bethlehem. And uh, the people would go there, and they would sit in front of that cave, And they would remember that Jesus, this is where Jesus came to be one of us. This is where Jesus came to live inside of our cave, so to speak. This is where Jesus came to experience all the things that we experience here in life. And then they go to this cave on the Mount of Temptation out in the Judean wilderness where they remember that Jesus overcame temptation and gives us the power to do the same overcoming temptation as well. He lived the life. He showed you could do it through his power. And then they would go to this cave at Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me, but not my will but yours, Father, as he stayed true to his calling. And then they would go to another cave, which was the tomb where Jesus was buried. And they would go there and they would see and they would experience and they would think about and imagine what took place there. And then they did something very interesting. They would go around to different caves, these tombs that were cut out in the side of hills. Uh, They would go out to these kind of catacombs of sorts, and they would sit in front of them, and, and these are from the time of Jesus when he lived on earth. They would sit in front of them, and they would begin to do something very interesting. They would laugh, and then they would sing, and then they would dance. Because Jesus had overcome the grave cave. He had broken out of the tomb. And they knew that. They experienced that. And they knew that now nothing can keep them into a tomb or into a grave that life tries to push us into. Nothing holds us back into a cave of life. Because whether we like to admit it or not, we have all logged some cave time, haven't we? We've all done that. And Even though Mark 16 shows the women trying to get in to see where Jesus was buried in this cave, in this grave of sorts, um, they were really coming with their own issues. They were coming in their own cave of grief 
And the stone was now keeping them from experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ. And they weren't the only followers. Understand this. They weren't the only followers who were in a cave. They weren't the only followers who were logging some cave time. If you have your Bible, keep your finger in Mark chapter 16, but flip over to John chapter 20. There were some other followers of Jesus who needed a breakthrough. They were in, perhaps we could say, an upper room cave. We don't know if it was actually in the upper room, but they were gathered together in this place, this cave, this symbolic cave, saying, "Um, you know what? We're not quite sure where life is directing us. And they were in this cave of grief, in this cave of quitting, in this cave of hopelessness, this cave of fear. And then guess who shows up? Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, take out your outline. Let's fill these out. Three resurrection truths for these, uh, let's say, cave dwellers like you and me. Sometimes when we walk into these caves, we feel like we're locked in. Number one, your fears need not control you. Your fears need not control you. Jesus says, peace be with you. Goes on to verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Say that with me. Peace be with you. Let me ask you this. What cave have you been in? Perhaps today you are still in that cave that is keeping you from this kind of peace, from this kind of shalom that Jesus gives to us, and that he speaks over his disciples. What's keeping you in there today? What stone has been rolled in place so that you cannot get to Jesus? Because, as I said, we've all logged some cave time. We just don't need to live there. We don't need to live in that cave. We've been there, yes, but we don't need to stay there. That's why we started this brand new series. It's a six-week series called Breakthrough, where we are hoping you will break through some of the stones that are keeping you from experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ in your own personal life. That is perhaps a stone of guilt. Maybe it's a stone of unforgiveness. Maybe it's a stone of an unrepentant sin in your life. Maybe it's a stone of some parent wounds that you've experienced years and years ago. Maybe it's a stone of religion that you can't get over how religion was drilled into you instead of understanding what a relationship with Jesus means. Maybe it's the stone of doubt that you're experiencing, even as you're sitting here right now. We're going through this series starting today. And, uh, you know, we realize that, that sometimes to get a breakthrough, you need a little extra something. And so over the course of these six weeks, um, as pastors, we want to just come alongside you and encourage you. Uh, I want to encourage you as well. We have an FBC, First Baptist Celebrates Recovery Group, that meets on Thursday nights. If uh, some of those issues have been some things that have been keeping you from taking your next step with Christ. But also, our pastors are available. If you want to call, we're going to have some time set aside during the office hours that you can just come in and talk and share some things. But we ultimately want to get together with you and pray for you and pray over you that you would be experiencing some 
some breakthroughs in your own life. And so if you'd like that, that's written up right below the description in your bulletin. Call the office. We'd love to get together and do that with you. But your fears need not control you. That's the point Jesus was stressing. Your fears, they don't need to control you. Pastor Renee Schlepford tells uh, an interesting story uh, about a guy named Danny. Danny um, is a splunker. Does anybody know what a, what a splunker is? A, a, a cave explorer, right? That, that's what a splunker is. So he, he loved to go splunking, cave exploring. And um, he did this with another friend. And the friend was really more the expert. And he was kind of guiding him through. And they went through this particular cave. And they looked good on that. And the friend said, uh, hey, Danny, there's this really interesting cave. It's a little hard to get to, but are you uh, game for, for going? And he said, absolutely, let's do it, let's go. And so they start to kind of go down this one cavern and into these, and, and as they were walking along, you could walk like this, but then it got lower and lower and narrower and narrower, and they started going down like this. And then they would get on their hands and their knees, and they had this, this flashlight, you know, shining on their helmet, and they'd be going down like this on their hands and their knees, and they're crawling, and all of a sudden they were getting down like this, and they were moving along like this, and they reached over like this, and, and as they got to this place where there's just a little fissure kind of in between the rocks, they had to squeeze in, and the friend said, okay, now move your feet like this, and actually, they could not breathe and move at the same time, and so he said, all right, now breathe in, and then breathe out, and move, breathe in, breathe out, move, and one question, anybody else as claustrophobic as I am right now sharing this, right? I mean, just feel that, right? They're were, they were in this cave, and they're going through this cave, and all of a sudden, Danny, as he's crawling and realizing, I'm going to lose my mind. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in this cave. There's no way out here. I can't go backwards. My feet don't even go that way anymore. Literally, I can't move and breathe at the same time. And it's in this moment where his friend feels his panic. And he says, Danny, 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 listen. Listen, this is very important. If you will keep listening to those voices in your head, your mind will run wild and you will flip out. So, Danny, don't. I want you to listen to only my voice right now. Danny, Danny, listen, listen to me. I've been through this before. I am here with you. I've gone this direction. I won't leave you. You can trust me. You can make it. I just need you to listen to every moment to my voice. Danny died in that cave that day. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Come on. Goodness, it's Easter, right? Come on. The end, right? It's over. We're done. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. He got through the cave, busted out the other side. It was a glorious cavern that he experienced and came into, just looking all around, fitting through this little area. I, I heard that story and I thought, you know, what a great analogy, though. The voice of Jesus is speaking to us today. The risen Christ is here, and he's saying, hey, I know you're in a cave of sorts. Don't listen to those voices in your head, because if you listen to them, you will give up. He's saying, I've been through this before. You can make th through this. You can trust me. I will not leave you. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen to me. You know, that's why we emphasize so much God's word around here. 
And we don't want you just to listen to it on Sunday mornings. We want you to experience it throughout the week. And so if you're here today and you do not have a Bible, right across our walkway we have what's called our Next Step Center. Please stop by there, just say, hey, I'd like to get a Bible. And we'll put those right into, one of your hand, into your hands free of charge, absolutely free of charge. There's a couple other resources there that we want to get you. This is a great devotional guide that many of us read around here. We sell it for, for just $2 just to cover our costs. Um, if you're here for the first time today and you'd like to pick that up, though, we'll give it to you for free. Just tell them you're a first-time visitor. You'd like to pick up that devotional guide. And then in the um, first-time visitor bag that Pastor Scott and Derek uh, spoke about, there's a book called FBC Stormwatch. We've had this, we've actually on a second printing of this. These are people here at First Baptist Church who have gone through storms and experienced some cave time and have come out the other side, listening to God's voice, hearing God direct them and guide them to their next steps. And that is free to you as well if you would like that today, if you do not have that book. I also want to encourage you as um, Pastor Derek did today, to come to the class next week, Foundations of the Faith. If you're new here to First Baptist, maybe you're coming in and you're saying, man, it seems like everybody knows everything about the Bible and Jesus, and I don't understand it, I don't get it yet. You might feel like you're a kindergartner in a place of high school and college-age people. Come in. He will walk you through some of the easy steps of the faith. And even if you've been coming around here for years, come on in and listen to him share some of the information that God's Word shares with us so we can know him in a deeper and a more intimate way. God's voice wants to guide you through life. Second point on your outline. Jesus shares, after he shares, peace be with you a couple of times with them. He encourages them by saying, your failures need not define you. Your failures need not define you. Look at what he says there. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. I am sure every one of those disciples felt like a failure because they ran and they hid when Jesus was arrested. I'm sure they felt like that. And sometimes those failures are the result of our wrongdoing. Other times, maybe some others kind of get into tough situations and we experience some things because others have done some things to us. It kind of reminds me of the story about the guys who are in the clubhouse after a round of golf and they're, you know, showering up and getting ready to go to the 19th hole, so to speak. And, and all these guys are around there and all of a sudden a phone rings on a bench and a guy picks up the phone and answer today says hello and the voice on the other line says honey 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 uh it's me are are, are you still at the club and he says yeah i'm here she says great 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 um i I went by the mall and um at the mall they had this beautiful leather jacket and um i was wondering if it'd be okay if i if i bought it and he said well how much is it she says a thousand dollars he said well if you like it that much okay that's fine about to hang up the phone, and she says, well, you know, hold on a second. Um, I also went by the Mercedes dealership, and um, the 2016 models are out, and I I talked with the um, salesman, and he gave me a great, great deal, and since we have to kind of, you know, trade in the BMW from what we bought a year ago, he said, what's the price? And she said, only $80,000. Great price, great price. He says, well, okay, but for that price, get all the options on it. Okay, about to hang up the phone. She says, oh, one more thing. Uh, the real estate agent, um, 
Remember how we, we looked for that new house uh, uh, last a year? Um, well, he says now it's on the market. You know the one with the beautiful English gardens, the pool, the acres type setting, the beachfront property. Um, he says, how much are they asking? She says, only a million three. Million three. Great price. I see we have enough in the bank to cover it. You know, would, would that be okay? He's like, well, okay, but start at a million two. Only go up to a million two five. And yeah, I, I, I guess that would be fine. She says, okay, sweetie, thanks. Thanks so much. I'll see you later. Love you. He says, bye. I love you too. And he hangs up the phone, puts it down. And all these guys are like, whoa, what did you just do? I mean, I mean, they are in amazement. They're bewilderment. And then he picks the phone back up and he raises his hand and he says, uh, does anyone know who this phone belongs to? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes our failures are from somebody else's wrongdoing, right? Right? I am sure every one of those disciples felt like a failure of their own doing. Now Jesus comes along and says, this does not have to define you. And and notice how long he was with them. We don't know. I mean, he might have been there like 30 seconds, a, a minute, and already he is reinstating them. He's saying, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And these disciples, scared, grief-filled, hopeless, fear-filled, these disciples who were just there with all those emotions are now empowered by seeing Jesus with their own eyes and hearing his voice with their own ears. Just like the women, if you go back to Mark chapter 16, just like the women who are coming to the tomb. Let me finish the story there, because I didn't finish. In Mark chapter 16, they were changed when they realized what was taking place. Mark 16, remember we picked up the story? I'll go to verse 3. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And it goes on in verse 4, says, and looking up. Perhaps some of you here today have been living your life in failures, and you need to simply start looking up. There have been a barrier, there's been a barrier between you and Jesus. There's been a barrier between you and breaking through to new things in your life that needs to be removed. And today we can celebrate because today on Resurrection Sunday, we know that that barrier has been removed because Christ is risen That's why we celebrate what we celebrate. And we know there is no barrier now between us and God the Father. We just need to start looking up. We need to see what's taking place. It goes on to say, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And the text even says, And it was large. Okay, There's no small pebble going on there. This was a large stone. You now have access to the Father. The price has been paid. You have been forgiven. Nothing stands now between you and his forgiveness and new life. The stone has been rolled back. And so let me ask you, what is that barrier that is taking you, that is between you from taking your next steps with Jesus? What is keeping, maybe it's, as I said, doubt. And you're not quite sure who this Jesus person is. I challenge you, take those steps, explore that. We're we're offering that opportunity for you over the next few weeks. Come back and and hear more about maybe it's anger. Maybe it's kind of scars from your childhood or your parent wounds. 
Maybe it's, it's uh, comparisons that you have with a brother or sister or other people and you don't think you measure up, maybe work associate. Maybe it's, it's fear, whatever it may be. You know, as a staff, we were kind of thinking about this and we were trying to brainstorm uh, about this idea that the stone was between the women and Jesus. And we came up with an idea that we were maybe going to put stones in each of your hands, you know, kind of a a potato-sized kind of stone and allow you to to write on there with a Sharpie what your stone is, what what, what fear, anxiety, maybe whatever is keeping you from taking more steps with Jesus. And then I got to thinking a little bit better that... um, I I really don't want to stand before a few thousand people with with rocks in their hands. That better be a pretty good message I speak on that day, right? But we might do that a little bit later, and it it might be something, a great reminder. Maybe you want to go home and just pull one out of your garden and write on there and have it be reminding you, say, this stone has been now removed. It's been defeated. Look at, let me finish the story, verse 5 and 6. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. This, of course, was an angel. And they said, he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Okay, final truth on your outline. Your future need not be hopeless. Because of this, Christian, your future need not be hopeless. And the most wonderful account of this really goes back to John eleven twenty five, where Jesus is talking with Mary and with Martha about Lazarus, who was going to be raised again. And Jesus says to her, that is Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he Live. When we believe in Jesus, that eternal hell is removed, and we are now allowed to enter into a relationship with God and to one day experience eternal heaven when we die. And as a Christ follower, that's the hope we now live in. And if you do not have that hope today, I pray that you won't leave this place without saying yes to that hope that is Jesus. Because he paid the penalty for us. He took the blow so we could experience eternal life. There's kind of an interesting picture that went viral a week, uh, week and a half ago. I don't know if any of you saw this on the internet. But it's in a spring training game. I don't know if it was in Arizona or Florida. And it's a, a, a dad who is sitting here on the left-hand side um, what takes place is a batter was swinging a, uh, his bat and um, must have been a good pitch. Bat slipped out of his hand. The bat flew into the crowd heading right for his son. And you can see how many people are kind of dodging this. You see the lady at the top, she's like, oh, no. And the guy over here on the upper side, he's saving his beer. Um, you got one down here on the other side here. He's you know, got his hand. And the lady in the front, she's ducking for cover. And what, what does dad do? In fact, go ahead and blow that up just a little bit, a little bit bigger. What does dad do? Boom, sticks out his hand. Now, what is the son doing? Is he watching the game? (laughs) He's not watching the game, is he? What's he doing? He's playing on his phone. Yeah. In fact, I'm convinced the son never even saw the back coming, only saw the big arm going out. Deflected the shot. So he didn't have to take it. And what a great picture of what God the Father has done for us 
his children. We should have taken the blow of sin, the sins that we commit. But instead, God the Father takes his son and allows him to spread out his arms and take the blow for us, take the punishment for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been what? We have been, we have been healed. But that's not where it ends. The good news is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, where it says, Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave his life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been what? And that we've been saved. God's grace is given to us. Nothing we can earn, but it's given to us freely. And so the question I have for you today that I'd leave you with is that question that is the Easter question that has echoed throughout all of time. John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus always makes it personal. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this see we can stand here and chant christ is risen he is risen indeed and i can get you to do that all we want until we are blue in the face but if you don't believe it it doesn't make a difference if you don't believe it when you die eternal hell awaits you but when you die and believing this after having believed this then eternal heaven awaits, and God's glory awaits, and God's goodness for you awaits. Believing it makes all the difference. You need a breakthrough? Start looking up to the Father who has stretched out his arms to deflect the blow of payment consequence of sin and to hug you and to love you like God's word says he does. That's who our God is. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the blow you took for us by sending your son Jesus to the cross to die for us. God, that blow was, was meant for us because we're the long, wrongdoers. We have sinned, each and every one of us. We have logged cave time that has kept us away from you. A stone has been rolled away. We don't have access to you other than now of knowing that Jesus went to the cross to take our punishment, our burden, to bring us back into relationship with you. And God, I know I'm in front of hundreds and hundreds of people who believe that. They answer the question that Jesus asked, do you believe that? So many would say yes, but Lord, I know there's also many who do not know. There's others who will for sure say no. I do not believe that. Folks, let me just give you one more opportunity. The gospel message is that God loves you. Loves you with his amazing grace. And yet sin entered into the world by our wrongdoing and has separated us from him. A stone has been in between us and the Father. And yet Jesus has come to take the punishment for our sin, to remove that stone, and all we need to do is look up, to believe 
that that stone has been removed. To believe that Jesus is God's son who took the punishment for us, but not only took the punishment in the grave, rose out of that grave, rocketed forth, and through all of time and all of eternity, he will be praised, he'll be glorified, and he is just looking for people to now acknowledge that so that one day they can continue to acknowledge that in heaven with him. Folks, there's, there's no gimmick, there's no game in this. It's exchanging all your hurts, all your pains, all your frustration, all your anger, all your doubt for the message that says God's love is available for you. Perfect life? No. But a life with God who loves you and walks you through it together? Yes. That's the voice he wants you to listen to. And today, maybe some of you are hearing that voice for the very first time. And if that is true of you today, then I would just challenge you today just to pray these words. Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. Today I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Today I do a U-turn. I follow you. Today I choose to live for you. And what God's word says is that if you prayed that prayer right now, in your heart of hearts, God sees that. And one day you'll be with him in eternity. Jesus puts that question to us. Do you believe? My prayer is that you would. Because the empty tomb shows us why we should believe. God, thank you for what you have done for us. It is only through your amazing love and amazing grace that we sing, that we rejoice as we do now. Folks, if today you prayed a prayer similar to that, I would just ask that before you leave this place, talk to the friend who brought you. I'd love to get a chance to meet with you and talk with you as well. And there's some information across in our Next Step Center. You can just tell them today for the first time I said yes. We'd be thrilled to help you and show you what that decision means. And continue to come, continue to hear the voice that God wants you to hear. God, thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. We sing about that now. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray.